Matt Grunstead is the percussionist for Youth Orchestra. He also plays in his solo show, Funkmaster. Max Lipnick and I talked to him about his influences. Here's our talk with Matt Grunstead. Beatles fan too. How do you take the Beatles where Ringo kind of plays to the song? He you he doesn't really stand out too much. So he kind of plays to the song. So how do you take an influence like the Beatles and use that when you're playing timbales or congas? Well, I think um you know, listening to somebody like him helped me figure out ways to blend in as a drummer and you know, as opposed to you know, being a little more flashy, which uh, sometimes it actually comes up when I play with certain people. They want a much flashier drummer, but it's like, you know, I, I, I mean, I play solos and stuff, and I like doing that, but that, that's not what really made me want to start playing music. Like, mm-hmm. I just like to lay down grooves and different types of beats and, you know, just make people want to dance, you know what I mean? You know, things people can nod their heads to, but uh, I think uh, it's definitely a valuable thing when you're playing something like timbales that are like, I mean, those are going to cut through anything else that's going on, you know, so to kind of just tone it back a little bit and try to blend in and be part of the song instead of something that like really stands out on top of it all the time. Um, I think that yeah. that helped. And, you know, Ringo definitely set a standard for, for pop drumming and, you know, like that, I think of that that approach to music. It, it kind of reminds me of like being an offensive lineman mm. on a football team. You know, it's like it's every bit as important as what the quarterback's doing. You know, it, it, people don't necessarily notice it unless something's going wrong. You know, so yeah. like, if the offensive line does their job and everybody's like, "Wow, that quarterback had an amazing game," you know, and and I think that he couldn't have done that without the line. Lineman, um, is, you know, somebody who's really just wants to be part of the team and not, and isn't quite as focused on being in the spotlight. Not that there's anything wrong with that. You know, I just think mm-hmm. it's a different approach to playing. And, uh, and it definitely applies to most of the music that I listen to, especially these days. Like, I listen to a lot of hip hop and reggae and funk mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, things where there's, you know, it's all about just laying down a solid groove that people can zone out to. Yeah, I noticed you're in a lot of groups where there's two drummers. Is there something that you like particularly about having two drummers? Yeah, well, I think that's that's where a lot of the Afro-Cuban influence comes in and Afro-Brazilian, West African type stuff where um, a lot of that music is just a big community of drummers all playing together and you can get all these different layers going to make, you know, when you, when you look at all these different parts, that the different drummers are doing 
complicated, but just the way that they each kind of fill in their own space uh, really makes it sound big. Mm -hmm. They're all counter rhythms to each other, and they lay on top of each other pretty nicely. So it so it doesn't get too busy when you have people doing different parts. Right, yeah, because it's really easy for that to happen. Um, mm. And uh, I, when when I was, um, I mean, I started taking drum lessons uh, from Jim Dreyer in Iowa City. Um, any any drummer in, in Iowa City definitely knows who that is. Um, and I started taking lessons from him when I was 10 years old, and he really specializes in, uh, in like, jazz and Latin music. And he was teaching me how to play certain rhythms like, you know, mambo and songo and conga de comparsa and stuff like that. And then, you know, to me, those were just the coolest drum beats. And I, I wasn't even listening to that type of music at the time. I just knew that I liked the drums, you know. Mm -hmm. And uh, and so I would incorporate that into some of the rock bands that I would play with and things like that. Yeah. Um, and then when I got into college, I started listening more to those actual styles and, and realizing that like by playing those styles on the drum set I was actually imitating these other instruments hmm. because the drum set is an American instrument so like traditionally these these songs wouldn't be played on drum set but you can substitute the original drums for you know for the drum set and um, and so then I got curious about you know what all these different parts were and um, yeah, I was just really fascinated by that and so I ended up really getting into playing the auxiliary stuff, you know, congas, timbales, shakers, all those things. And, um, and like, over the years, I've just gotten way more opportunities to do that than to play the drum set because, I mean, at least, you know, places where I've lived, um, Iowa City, Fort Collins, Denver, um, there's, there are way more drum set players than there are people who've actually studied how to play auxiliary mm -hmm. stuff. And it's also something that you can add to any band, you know. So, so there's there's a few bands that I play with regularly, but then there's also groups that when they come through town, they'll ask me to play, you know, just to kind of like do something a little bit different that night, fill out the sound, or like if they're uh, doing some studio tracks, I'm like, man, it would be cool to have have some congas or bongos on this. Like fire um, sale did. I'll get those calls. So I mean, <laughs> I you know I, I love playing drum set just as much, and I still play a lot of it, but yeah, just those opportunities come up a lot more often. And so I think that's why most of the bands that I've been in uh, over the years have had more than one drummer. Mm -hmm. I've just ended up specializing in that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Yep. And uh, one song in particular that I think is really cool because you're taking your influences from Afro-Cuban and Afrobeat music uh, and mixing it with other styles is uh, December 11, uh, where you take like the Afrobeat... <laughs> Uh, woodblock and you use it on a reggae song so you're kind of taking the, the motifs and vocabulary from afrobeat and you're putting it over reggae songs is that something or how, how did you get started doing that type of stuff well uh yes you're referring to a, a orchestra song uh, that we made a while back um yeah, I mean, with our whole band was just going through a big Afrobeat phase at that point, and we were spending a lot of time traveling around the country, riding in the van together, and like that was, that was the type of music that that we could all agree on, you know. And we were all interested in in our own ways, you know, just having different interests and different backgrounds. But I think uh, yeah, the thing about Afrobeat is reggae has always been a part of it, 
funk and jazz, but also Afro-Cuban, Afro-Brazilian, like and other types of, you know, um, like Afrocentric uh, styles of music and rhythms. And so they just, they blend together pretty, you know, pretty well. And I think, you know, taking that Afrobeat idea and taking it into kind of different directions, you know, just getting experimental with it was a way for us to have a somewhat original voice within this type of music we were just looking about, you know, and, and comes from cultures that we weren't born into. Um, but we just, we noticed right away that, I mean, that's what these musicians were doing. That's what Fela Kuti was doing. Mm-hmm. It's just combining all kinds of stuff, but, you know, having the certain things that are variable, but then certain things that kind of need to be there in order for it to be Afrobeat. You know, so like that woodblock obviously is like a really noticeable element that makes something sound like Afrobeat. Um, I think that's that's what that all was, you know. And then the whole uh, we put out an album before that, uh, specifically combining uh, uh, Afro-Cuban stanceria music or Lukumi music uh, with the Afrobeat and incorporating some of the some of the chants for the different deities that people sing sing to in that religion and you know getting a little more specific into that that part of Afrobeat. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if that answers your question or not. But no, <laughs> yeah. No, when you brought up about Fela Kuti taking all those different influences, that sounds exactly like Youth Orchestra. Like you can't define Youth Orchestra by one genre. Youth Orchestra like is always changing. Almost every time I yeah. see you guys there's a, some different influence that has taken part. And I was, I was just wondering, you live, li- living in Colorado, you see lots of music all the time. And as you were talking about, some of the best music happens when you combine different styles of music. I was wondering if you see anybody combining different styles of music now who you really like and who are doing it in a very interesting way. Jeff from Thievery, and the whole idea is to do 
non-reggae songs in a reggae style. Mm. Nice. Uh, which kind of goes along with what you're, you're thinking, you know. And, this, and so, I mean, that, that's going to be a lot of fun right there. And, that, and that's, that's always an approach that I've taken playing with different bands. I mean, being a, being a drummer, a uh, drum set player, uh, you actually have a lot of uh, a lot of say in the arrangements of things and just the, the way the groove is going to work, you know. And so uh, you end up being a, a musical director. You know, that's part of the drummer's job, mm-hmm. I think. And so that's something I always had a lot of fun with, like, say, playing in rock bands or working with singer-songwriters. You know, they would have a, a progression and you know, or a chord progression and, and some lyrics and everything. I'd be like, oh, let's try this one as a Scott tune, you know, mm-hmm. or let's, let's do this one a little more Latin or let's do this one, you know, whatever. And it's just kind of fun to, like, take the same idea for a song and just change up change it up rhythmically ever so slightly and it's mm-hmm. like you've got something completely different and yeah. eventually you'll find a, a groove that really like that makes sense with it I think yeah um as uh as well as playing are you doing any songwriting too yeah I'm doing quite a bit of that um but I'm mostly uh I'm focusing on writing music um I you know I've written lyrics here and there over the years, and I really do like to sing and rap and everything, but um, I just have a much easier time writing music than I do writing lyrics, Mm -hmm. and so that's why I've been working with a lot of different MCs and singers, uh, because there's just so many people who have the opposite problem, Mm -hmm. you know, just like all these ideas for songs and lyrics and everything, you know, and piles Mm -hmm. of notebooks, you know, with the rhymes that they've written, but no beats to put them on top of, Mm -hmm. so... Um, so that's been a lot of fun, you know, and I, and I can always find different people to collaborate with and, and, and doing a co-writing thing is great because you're not quite so stuck in your own head and like having at least one other person to, uh, bounce ideas off of and to maybe even come in with some kind of starting point. Uh, that's, that's something I really enjoy doing at this point. So I'm definitely getting into the, the producer aspect of things these days are you doing the funk master shows and then having someone freestyle over or have you collaborated like uh work together work the songs up together or is it usually someone just kind of freestyling over uh your songs well it's it's both um you know when i started doing my my live looping show that's just that's the funk master show um where uh you know i play drums guitar bass keys, dobro, uh, and vocals. Um, when I first started doing that, I figured, you know, the concept is it's a one-man show. I'm going to do all this stuff myself, and I really, like, stuck to that for a long time. Like, people would ask to sit in, but, you know, doing a show like that, people get confused enough just trying to figure out what's going on. You know, people <laughs> can watch a whole show and be like, wait, so are you a DJ, or what's going on here? You know? <laughs>
X on things and, and do some more of that. And so, and that kind of evolved into working with certain people on a more regular basis. And so now there's, um, there's a few people that I perform with where we'll do um, original songs um, or sometimes we'll, uh, you know, we'll work up some, you know, they end up being a lot like live remixes. Like even when we do mm-hmm. cover songs, we'll put our own spin on it. Uh, but yeah, that's that's something that's easing its way into the show and having it be less of a, a one-man cover band, but putting some more uh, original elements into it. And I really like where, where it's going at this point. I noticed for a lot of your career, it seems like you've gone, um, you know, you've collaborated with so many different people. Is that something that you do intentionally where you try to, where you've been trying to collaborate with as many people as possible? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, that's, that's always been my approach. Um, I remember people asking me about that when I first started playing in bands, you know, like getting together my own groups outside of school, which is actually something that, I mean, I started doing that when I was a little kid, but then especially in high school, even like I would be, you know, in like four or five different bands at once. Um, and I think, well, and definitely in college as well, you know, I was in like seven or eight bands for most of college. Um, and I think part of that, part of the reason for that was just because I wanted to play all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, like I, I just always knew that this, this is what I want to do all the time. This is what I enjoy. You know, this is where I get, you know, it's, it's my social life. It's my hobby. It's my way to make money, all that stuff. Um, and living in a place like Iowa City, uh, I was able to, to stay active and play a few shows a week. Um, because if I was trying to do that with one band, I mean, you can't, you can't play three or four times a week in Iowa City with the same band because people will stop coming to see you real quick. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, all right, I saw this twice. <laughs> <laughs> but um, being able to change it up like that, I uh, was able to just keep playing and, and keep networking. And then eventually, uh, you know, Youth Orchestra got to a point where we all wanted to start touring and, and we eventually moved away. But um, yeah, I've just kept playing with as many people as possible. And, uh, and I think I've also been fortunate to live in communities where the other musicians around, you know, had the same idea because I've, I've played in some towns and talked to musicians who really feel like, uh, the, the musicians in that town, it's more about competition and less about community. Mm-hmm. And I, th- I think that happens a lot, but it doesn't make sense to me because, yeah. um, uh, I remember uh, there's, there's a guy who uh, goes by the name Gunner who used to own uh, a really cool club in Iowa City called Gunners, and um, I would in my in my younger days like we were hanging out watching this other local band, and I was like, oh, so this is my band's competition, huh? He's like, he's like, no, you should never think of this as competition. You got to think about it as community because. Mm-hmm. The only thing that's going to make a good music scene anywhere is if there's a lot of good music to see in a lot of different places. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, uh, and I've, always, I've always remembered that, and I think it's, I think it's 100% true. Yeah, that's awesome you said that, too. It's about creating a scene, yeah, creating a scene, creating a community, and a place where people are inspired to mm-hmm. try different things. Awesome. Well, Matt, thanks so much for talking to us. Uh are you thinking, are you going to be here in Iowa City playing uh, in February, you said? Yeah, um, was it 
Um, the last Saturday in February? Yeah, yeah I think so. 25th, yeah. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, Saturday the 25th, I'm going to be having a reunion show with uh, a Red Hot Chili Peppers tribute band that formed um, about 10 and a half years ago, a little bit before I moved away from Iowa City, but uh, whenever I come back to town, we try and do some reunion shows, so I'll be singing with them and playing a little bit of guitar, um, We've got Adam Grasso on the drums, Seth Koenig, or sorry, Adam Grasso on the bass, Seth Koenig on the drums, and Michael Fett on the guitar. Um, we'll be doing a bunch of songs from uh, Blood Sugar Sex Magic and a few other selections. Uh, I'm really looking forward to that. So, uh, nice. And see, there's a couple other bands playing that night as well. But uh, yeah, hopefully, hopefully we'll see some people down there that night. Yeah, I'll try to make it down, but... Uh, yeah, thanks for talking to us, Matt. It was great chatting with you. Thanks, Matt. <clears throat> yeah, anytime. You can find Matt's original music at soundcloud.com slash funkmastershow and updates about his shows at facebook.com slash funkmastershow.